So this morning, we are going to seek God that he would help our heads and our hearts get around his missionary heart. So I'd like you to think for just a moment about uh, where the garments that you are wearing right now were made. Okay? Now, if I realize that that's right on a tag behind your neck, so unless you had someone that you trust a lot start fishing around, you're probably not going to know. But I would guarantee it probably wasn't here in our country. In fact, you'd be surprised if we took a poll in here how many different places of the world are represented. I was thinking about this uh, the other day, and uh, in the morning, um, I typically like to start the day a little bit slow, get the coffee going early. Uh, Our house is cold, so I usually have sweats on. That's kind of my pre-day warm-up outfit. And uh, I'm out in the kitchen with my Bible and coffee, and it's just really nice and, uh, and I was thinking about this. So when I went to get ready for the day, as I was taking off my pregame and getting ready for the game, I took off my sweatshirt, and my sweatshirt was made, or my hoodie was made in Vietnam. I slipped out of my sweatpants. They were made in Pakistan. My sleep shirt was made in Egypt. My boxers were made, oops, in Indonesia. Maybe too much information. And then as I got dressed for the day, my, uh, my T-shirt was made in El Salvador. My shirt was made in Egypt. My jeans were made in Pakistan, and my shoes were made in China. Getting ready for the day, this shirt was made in the Banana Republic. Just kidding. Um, this shirt was made in Sri Lanka, and this sweater was made in China. So I want you to just think for a minute about the person that made the garments that you're wearing today. Think about her, think about him, and think about the life that they're living right now. So what do they think about as they sit at the sewing machine? What are they going home to? What did they have for breakfast? What will they have for dinner? What's their family life like? What makes them laugh and what does it sound like? Are they living at a time in their life and they're basically at peace or basically anxious? When they think about God, what are those thoughts like? When they think about prayer, how do they talk to God? Do they know Jesus? I would imagine that in a room like this, with all the garments that we were wearing, it wouldn't be unusual that you would be wearing a garment sewn by a believer from another country because we have millions of brothers and sisters across the faiths of the earth. Absolutely. But the odds are pretty good. The odds are pretty good that he or she didn't know Jesus yet. Is that okay? Is that okay? Does he or she need to know Jesus? Why? What difference would it make in the life of the person that sewed your garment to know Jesus? And if that person is going to come to know Jesus, how will that happen? What are the logistics of someone coming to know Jesus right now on this planet? Man, sometimes when we think about about 
God's missionary heart and the call to bring the gospel to the world, it can seem overwhelming. We're talking about over 7.5 billion people. That's a lot of people. In fact, it can be overwhelming. So let me ask you this question. Do you think God knows about each one on the planet this morning? Do you think he knows about you? Do you think he knows about your thoughts? Do you think he was thinking about you when he planned to send his son to give his life on the cross so that you could say, my sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. Praise the Lord! His mercy is more. Was he thinking about you when Jesus went to the cross? Who else was he thinking about? Paul Little wrote a book, Your God is Too Small. <laughs> Sometimes I think my God is too small. I forget how, 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 how grand his plan is, how great his heart is. And that every person on the planet this morning, God absolutely knows their name, he knows their story, and he sent his son that they might know what it is to know his love. Right now they're 195 nations, official nation states, but thousands of people groups, people who share a language, a culture, an experience that is unique. And right now, according to the Joshua Project, there are over 6,000 people groups that do not yet have Jesus or the, the body of Christ functioning in that group. It's amazing to think about. We grow up hearing a verse in Sunday school, if we were blessed to, to hear the gospel from the time we were younger. And this verse is kind of like a chorus that kind of resonates throughout worship and throughout Sunday school, throughout the life of the church. And I bet you can finish it for me. It's a Bible verse found in the Gospel of John. God so loved the... Really? The world? God so loved the world that he gave... His son, this morning, as we think about the person that may have been part of manufacturing our, garden, our, our garment, may the world become more personal and human as we think of God's great heart. We're going to take a look at uh, what has been called the Great Commission. A commission is kind of a military term. It has to do with marshalling people who have been prepared to go on a mission and address a need that is significant. For example, a couple uh, weeks ago, things were really rocking again in the, in the Middle East. The latest iteration of turmoil in the Middle East was, uh, was the death of Qasem of Soleimani, who led Iran's secret forces, and, and he was taken out by a drone, and, and man, things erupted right again in Iraq and Iran. And I don't think we're done. Every, any, every time something like that happens, I think, well, I wonder how long it is till Jesus comes back. It's amazing how the Middle East continues to be a focal point of global attention. And one day it's really going to be a focal point when Jesus returns. That's a sermon for another Sunday. But the reason I bring that up, when that happened, it affected the families of 3,500 men and women around Fayetteville, North Carolina, they were being trained at Fort Bragg. These men and women were commissioned. And on short notice, 
they hug their kids or their husbands or wives or parents or friends. They packed up their, their rucksack and they got on a plane and they headed to the Middle East. Apparently there was something going on there that called for them to go. And so they went. They were commissioned. They understood that they were living under the authority of their commanding officers. So they went. This morning, we're going to take a look at Jesus' last words as recorded in Matthew 28, beginning with verse 16, reading in Jesus' name. And, and hear this as, as kind of a commission. Think about the need. Think about those who had been prepared. And think about the one who said, go. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We see in this moment that Jesus, who knows God's heart, who feels God's heart, who knows God's plan, commissions his disciples to go. I need to be reminded of this once in a while. Why do we go to the nations? Or why does God call us to the nations? Why should we respond? So some of us here have had people that, that, that we've been given to nurture and account for and, and take care of and give direction in their lives. Some of us have been parents. And, and, and sometimes we're not always the most patient parents, right? And so there are times when we are asked questions and we have a very short answer. How many of you have ever said, because I told you so? Right? I, because I told you so. That's all the answer we thought that we needed. Well, in a sense, that's true. That if we are parents and, we've been in, and children have been entrusted to us, because we're in a position of loving and important authority, we can simply say go. Sometimes I forget about my relationship to Jesus as my Lord. I am so grateful. I am so grateful that Jesus is my Savior, right? That he took away my sins with his death on the cross. That is awesome. I am so grateful that he's not ashamed to call me his brother or you his sister. It says in the book of Hebrews, he's not ashamed. He's our brother. I'm so grateful that he's my friend. I believe he's my friend because they said he was the friend of sinners. I'm one of them. So he's my friend. I love the fact that he revealed himself to me as my shepherd, that he's watching over me. He's also my Lord. Jerry read this morning that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. When I come into a relationship where my sins are forgiven, where I receive a new identity, where I have a, a place at the table in God's family. I now, my life is now under the direction of Jesus. He's my Lord. 
So when we think about the call in our lives as the church, some of us will literally sense the call and cross boundaries and go to places that we never imagined we would go, where life will be much more difficult if we hadn't. In fact, it might even be dangerous. And we understand that this is costing someone um, a, a significant amount of money for me to go. And yet I go because I sense that my Lord called me to go. Others of us who will not hear that call to go understand that because Jesus is Lord, my life is different. Pastor Christian and and Pastor Chris and Pastor Vern and Pastor Bruce and I were were talking about this next series that we're going to be going through as a church family on Colossians, on everyday hope. And, And Pastor Christian asked a great question. He said, how is my life different than it would be if I hadn't become a follower of Jesus. If I wasn't a believer in Jesus, would my life be different than it is now? And that's a great question. How is my life different today because Jesus is my Lord? Because Jesus is my Lord. So, because Jesus is Lord, although I may not go literally, my resources now are under the direction of my Lord. I think about what I have in this world in terms of who my Lord is. And I ask him about how I distribute those and save those and give those. And he's my Lord. Kathy and I could not imagine not having part of the resources we've been entrusted somehow be directed to impact those who have not yet had one good solid chance to hear the name of Jesus that we appreciate so much in our lives. And when we pray, missionaries will tell you that that prayer is like the airline going down to a pearl diver. And the pearl diver will go down as long as their air is coming to them. And missionaries will say, we will go as long as you will pray for us. We're part of something wonderful because we serve a missionary God. This is on his heart. So Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. He was their Lord. They all didn't respond to him. Isn't it interesting? He said, And then Jesus called the eleven, and we scratch our heads and say, I thought there were twelve. There were. Not all twelve made it through the Passion Week, but eleven did. Did you notice that they worshipped him? But some what? Some doubted. Seriously? How would you doubt Jesus? Hey, (laughs) there are people like you and me. We have our moments. But God understood that these are the people that he was going to use on his great mission to bring his name to all the nations of the world. And that's where it began with Jesus saying go. And what they would do was what God has called us to do today, and that is make disciples. To declare the good news of Jesus, that people might come to believe that, and believing that would be baptized into the very name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That would be their new identity. We are baptized in the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. It changes how we understand who we are. It changes how we understand how God looks on us. We have been baptized as children of God. 
And now we learn to live out this new identity. We live a life that would be different if Jesus hadn't welcomed us into his service as our Lord. Jesus said, you guys have been watching me. It's been three years now, so now it's time for you to go and do what I've been doing. Tell them what the Father has done for you. Remind them now that this life may seem backwards to others. It's radically different that you're going to love God and you're going to love others like you want to be loved. The focus is now going to be off you as you're freed from the prison of living solely for yourself and you're living for another. You'll be living for your Lord. And so even today, we have the privilege of being a part of not only doing that with one another and making disciples, but as God gives us opportunity seeing those new beachheads, seeing those new pioneer breakthroughs amongst the people of the earth who do not yet know Jesus. And we can't do this by ourselves, but God did not call us to do it by ourselves. When Jesus was with his disciples, he sent them out from time to time, two by two, and then they came back and said, wow, it's amazing, just like you said, Jesus. But when he left, he said, I am not going to leave you as orphans. I will send you another, the Holy Spirit, who will be with you. He will remind you of everything I told you, and he will guide you in truth. You won't be alone. So this morning, we're reminded that we're part of something on God's heart, and it's way bigger than any of us. God has not called Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church to be responsible for seven and a half billion people. So you can say, that's good, because it is. But he has called us. He has millions of believers around the planet. And all of us are blessed to be a part of his grand plan as Lord of the church. I live over in Village Green. I have a church less than a block from my house. And the pastor is my friend. His name is Ben. When I have a Sunday off, sometimes I go to church. And I like to go to Ben's church when I can, because he's my friend. One thing I've noticed is that when I go to Ben's church, often I will hear from someone who's part of a mission related to their church. I find it very encouraging. You know what? We aren't a part of the missions that Ben's church is a part of, but that's okay. They'll do what God has called them to do. We will do what God has called us to do. If you're new to Triumph, Triumph is part of a small national church family called the Church of the Lutheran Brethren. But at the heart of our beginnings as a church, and I think when we we enter God's presence in eternity someday, one of the things that we will rejoice in is that God entrusted this little church body to do something significant in his kingdom. This is the 100-year anniversary of the Lutheran Brethren mission in Africa. A hundred years ago, we had pioneer missionaries, the Revnies and the Cordals, go to a part of this world. It happened to be on the border of what today is Chad and Cameroon, where there was no gospel witness, no Christians. And I'm not here to tell their whole story, but I love to tell their whole story sometimes. It humbles me and inspires me. Eight years before one convert. Today, a hundred years later, in that part of the world, just on the Chadian side of the border, there are 100, over 150,000 brothers and sisters in Christ. This morning, there are maybe 100 Lutheran Brethren churches across the country that will gather in North America. 
In Chad, there are over 1,200, and they average larger than our churches. Because someone met, went, and they had the gospel, and God went with them, he did something beautiful. We continue to be a part of that work in Chad, Africa. But we have now been called by God to be part of reaching unreached people groups. And Triumph has specifically felt called by God to do what we can do to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to a people called the Balala in Chad. This people group, this, this ethnic group, is, is predominantly Muslim at this time. There are some believers. Ten. Amongst the hundreds of thousands. There's no church established yet. But we believe God has called us to pray, to give, and some of us to go. It has not been easy to reach the Bilal. There are two families over the last 20 years who have stepped into that work. Both families had to return because of illness and, and, and family issues that did not allow them to stay there. We're praying for the next family. Maybe that family will come out of our church. That would be absolutely amazing. So as pastor of this congregation, I feel I almost have to say, I'm sorry that we don't talk about this more. We probably should. But I'm grateful that God has placed in our church a part of his great plan, whether that be to go to Turkey with a heart plunge uh, uh, mission trip, to, to live amongst the refugees and displaced people from the Middle East in, in, in Turkey. You're saying, I didn't know we were doing that. We are. I'd love to visit with you if, if that's something that, that, that you would find encouraging. Uh, more than just having a good Mexican dinner on Friday night, pray for these kids. Pray for these students. We have a sister congregation in Bonfield, Mexico that we have a relationship with. This is delightful, and it, and, and it pleases God's heart. There's a little church in, in Monagua, Nicaragua called Agua Viva, Living Water. This little church has gone through much. Not only has the church been firebombed and their pastor uh, uh, left them, but they continue to go on. And Triumph, a couple times a year, has the privilege of sending people like you and me down there to encourage that church. We heard about Feed My Starving Children. We, 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 we hear every year about Operation Christmas Child. What a privilege to be a part of what God is doing. May he stir in our hearts both a sense of gratitude that he would use us and the sense of anticipation in terms of how he, would, he will use us. This is my friend, Niso Abel. There's a connection to Triumph with what Niso is doing on that mat. Over the last years, Triumph has had the privilege of funding uh, 16 water wells to this last year in, 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 uh, in the Balala area of Chad. I'm not showing you a picture of a well. I'm showing you a picture of what happens after those wells are put into place. Pastor Niso, on our behalf, goes from village to village and village. Pastor Niso is a Christian because 100 years ago the gospel went to southern Chad. He's part of the fruit. His family came to know Jesus because people went. He is now a missionary in northern Chad. None of those guys on the mat are believers in Jesus yet. But we believe that God has these people on his heart. Pastor Niso is there on our behalf. And we're praying for another 
uh, missionary uh, couple or, or, or individual from perhaps even triumph to go and join him. What J- Jerry read to us this morning, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We have the privilege in our generation of being an expression of God's missionary heart. These are interesting days, and I close with this. Um, Not only is, is God sending his church to the world, he's also moving his people around the world bringing them in contact with Christians because we live in an age where, 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 where the world is on the move. I don't know about you, but yesterday on Saturday, I thought, this feels like deja vu. Didn't we go through this two weeks ago, this winter storm stuff? Right? In fact, we didn't have church two weeks ago. But hospitals still need nurses and whatever. So anyway, my daughter's a nurse at, at, at Sanford, and, and so she stayed with us so she could get up there. And, and in the morning, I put her in four-wheel drive. I guess it's all-wheel drive. It's always in all. Anyway, and, and, and we made it up to Sanford, and I dropped her off and came home, and then it came time to pick her up, and it snowed all day, and I looked out, and I thought, well, my neighbor Tim had made tracks with his truck. I can get in those tracks, and I can make it to Sanford. And I went out of the driveway and got royally stuck right in front of our house. That's why God created neighbors. So... My new neighbor, Corey, across the street came out with his dad, and they shoveled and pushed and whatever, and they got me on the road, and I made it to Sanford. So I thought, okay, now to get home. And I thought, well, if I hit those tracks, I'll be fine. I miss those tracks. (laughs) I was really stuck this time. So my daughter went to the house to say, Kathy, we're okay. Dad's just stuck down there. And, and, And I took the shovel out of the car, and I'm shoveling and whatever. And up pulls a little SUV, and, uh, a couple guys jump out, and they got their Carhartt bibs on and look at me like, hey, you need some help. And they got the tow rope out, and they hooked it on to my hitch, and they pulled my car out, and they said, okay, this time you better hit those tracks. I said, thanks, guys. I shook hands, and I got in the car, and I missed the tracks and got really stuck. <laughs> so we hooked up the tow rope again. They pulled me out again, and they looked at me and said, don't take your foot off the gas this time. You just got to go. And so I, I did, and I hit the tracks, and I made it all the way to my driveway before I got stuck. And so um, anyway, looking back, I was just delighted by that moment. I'm so grateful that, that, that we have new Americans in our midst from around the world. Those guys were delightful. They looked like they were actually enjoying what they were doing. As we shook hands, I realized, you know what? Our skin tone is different. Our accents are different. What a blessing it is to have new Americans in our midst to remind us of God's great heart for his creation. For God so loved the the world. The world. Let us pray. Father, this morning, um, I realize there are many times where My God is too small. You're my God. You're not too small. But the way I think of you can be so centered. And I forget that you're part of something bigger. And you aren't calling us to fix everything, but you are calling us to be attentive to our part 
in expressing your great heart for the world. So this morning, I thank you that uh, we are gathered here on this cold winter morning. We thank you that, um, that you have plans for us. It may be to be more attentive in our prayer life, that we might be like that airline to those that are at a place where they really need our prayers. It may be calling us to think about the little or much that we have to to resource our lives and thinking about those who haven't heard. God, it's, uh, it begins when people hear about your, your call to go. In some sense, I think he's calling me literally, God is calling me literally to go. May we be open to having those conversations and encouraging those that are processing that. This morning, we pray for those who are far away on our behalf. We think of Niso and Louise, his wife, and their dedication to their northern neighbors, some of whom there had been conflict with over the years, but your love is being expressed through these dear brothers and sisters. We pray for those who have gone to the Balala, We've supported them as a church family and it's been hard and they haven't been able to stay. Yet, Father, we believe that you will still want to bring salvation. So we pray that you would move and that we would be responsive. In the meantime, thank you that as people far away are on your heart, we are too. So we pray this morning that if we're at a place just needing to know once again that you're thinking of us. Jesus died for us. May somehow his love Find that place in our heart where it does its work of bringing peace and hope and purpose. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.